You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. here welcoming you to another episode of the sectarian review podcast and uh, boy let me tell you speaking of satan we got a show for you today uh today we're gonna be, <laughs> we're gonna be talking elon musk uh and uh those uh condescending laughter you heard in the background are my guests today uh, uh we got todd peddler a regular on the show todd uh is a professor of physics at R- luther college uh todd how you doing today uh, I'm doing all right. For, for some reason, Space Force is still going through my head, though. So. <laughs> That's but right. Nice. That but was the last uh, show you were on. That's right. Um, it's it's going well, though. It's uh, my daughter's 11th birth. My youngest daughter's 11th birthday today. So we're oh, nice. uh, yeah. So that's what's up for tonight is uh, a little uh, football game watching, and then uh, <laughs> and and my parents are in town too. So uh, so it's good. Oh, well, excellent. Thanks for taking the time then to, to join us for the show. I really appreciate hey, it. So, you bet. Um, and, uh, joining Todd and I, uh, returning to the show actually from a couple of years ago, Micah Redding. Uh, Micah's, uh, sort of head of the Christian Transhumanist Association. Um, and, uh, Micah, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Um, I was, I was really jamming to that song there. I love that. And, uh, speaking of Satan, you know, I think I've been called Satan a few times on, on Twitter recently for my transhumanist, uh, activism. So, you know, I'm right in the, right in the theme here, you know? So. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, if you Christian humanists out there think that you're controversial among, uh, Orthodox Christianity, try being a Christian transhumanist, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you take it from all sides. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and oh, Micah's a uh, real uh, knowledgeable and, and invested philosophically in technology and, and what it can do, you know, spiritually to human beings. Right. And I think that's the point behind trans- Christian transhumanism. If you haven't listened to that episode, I can't remember the number. It was way back a couple of years ago. <laughs> Go through the iTunes yeah. feed and, and you'll find that episode. It was uh, I learned a lot um, back then. and I've, I've kept in touch with Micah ever since um, you guys, yeah. uh, the, the association, the Christian Transhumanist just Association just had a big conference uh, in in Nashville, right? Yeah, we yeah we had it in Nashville, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, um, at uh, Lipscomb University, which is a Church of Christ affiliated school, and um, and it was great. Um, and we had no idea, you know, who would show up, um, but people came from from all over, and um, and it was just uh, you know for for trying to kind of put on something. Uh, where we didn't know what we were doing, it just went fantastic. And, um, you know, and, and we got great feedback from people who came and had no idea what to expect. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah, it's great to see something um, like interesting happening in uh, the intellectual circles of Christianity. And um, I, uh, you know, I don't often or always, excuse me, agree with uh, some of the tenets of transhumanism, but I, I do respect you. Um, and I'm really grateful for both of you for uh, coming on to the show here today to talk about Elon Musk. Um, if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I like to 
worm my way into bigger <laughs> uh, philosophical issues or cultural issues by taking a particular case. And, and so Elon Musk is, I think, a convenient way for us to think ultimately about Silicon Valley and uh, and that kind of um, techno utopian kind of capitalist vision of uh, of the future. And, uh, and and he happens to be in the news frequently lately. Uh, so all the better. So uh, <laughs> for all kinds of reasons, for all kinds of reasons. See the cover art for this show. I've uh, chosen him smoking a, a big blunt on some podcast somewhere. And so, yeah. Um, and I have a couple of, uh, of uh, listener comments. I, I threw out a uh, call for a listener feedback uh, before we record this show and if you want to, to participate in that kind of thing in the future go to facebook uh like the facebook page and watch out for what we're doing and by all means um talk back at us i got some really good feedback some nice pushback actually on the last show about alex jones uh being deplatformed uh and i really kind of uh i feel like moved my thinking a lot about that issue after we recorded it so uh give us more about that if you feel like we're off uh, off the rockers here somewhere so um um uh, Todd, do you want to start um, just a little bit of biographical uh, information about um, Elon Musk? You guys did touched on him a bit when you talked about Mars. So you've kind of recently discussed this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, our, one, one of our more recent episodes on, on Mars, uh, on the Book of Nature, we, we did uh, we did bring up Musk because uh, he, as is well known, has these designs on uh, on colonizing Mars. So, uh, he's born in South Africa, um, t- exactly two and a half years after I was born. No, can I do that? One and a half years. I can't do my math. Gosh, I teach mm-hmm. physics and I can't do math. Um, so, so he's uh, you know he's forty six ish or something like this. Um, he uh, was uh, quite the child prodigy, from what I understand. Uh, at age ten, he's doing computer programming. At 17, uh, he moves to Canada to attend Queen's University, um, and it might be said to avoid mandatory service in the South African military. Mm. Um, he uh, left, though, uh, Queen's and uh, went on to UPenn um, and graduated with undergraduate degree in economics and stayed on for bachelor's degree in physics. Go physics. Um <laughs> And then headed to Stanford. Uh, he, he's one of Stanford's more famous dropouts because he was there for a PhD in physics, and uh, and left two days later <laughs> to go uh, to go found uh, this corporation of his, Zip Two, um, which was kind of an online city guide. I guess like I can't think of an equivalent now because those are kind of gone passe, but. Um, but uh, Zip2 is is what he uh, uh, first sort of made his mark with as a company, uh, sold it to a division of Compaq, uh, a computer company, which is, uh, I don't know, I guess they're still around now that I think about it, um, but not very, uh, uh, not, not, not very prominent anymore. <laughs> uh, sold them for like $300 million, uh, in uh, in 99. Um, perhaps he's known uh, better uh, for his next venture, which was PayPal. Uh, or at least they, they began as something called X.com. Um, and uh, monkeyed about with it for about three years and then sold it for a billion and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, uh, like his rockets, uh, rose quickly. Um uh, in the in 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 the uh, in in the world of business, uh, founded SpaceX uh, at about the time that he sold off uh, PayPal. 
SpaceX is um, actually, you know, we had two. We've had two episodes on Book of Nature where we've talked about Musk because uh, we had the private space ventures uh, episode, which goes back a, a quite a ways. Um, we talked about space SpaceX there a little bit. So SpaceX is kind of, uh, you know, one of his more recent um, and more more recently in the news uh, ventures because he's he's providing uh, transport for NASA to get things up to the space station and uh, is launching an awful lot of satellites with his uh, with his reusable rockets. Um, the, uh, the, the, the venture which is coming next at some point in time, I guess, depends on how you uh, think about it, is, is, uh, is this um, uh, trip to Mars that he wants to take with um, his, his current rockets. The reusable rockets are called Falcons. Uh, so he's got to have a big rocket to get to Mars, which he calls the big Falcon rocket. Yes. Uh, B- BFR. <laughs> BFR is really what he usually calls it. Uh, it's got 31 engines as opposed to nine. Um, but I, you know, I left out one very important thing, which, which is Tesla, of course. Um, uh, Tesla is also uh, something he founds in a, in, at about the same time as SpaceX. And uh, Tesla's is perhaps, uh, you know, maybe uh, at least in some circles is what he's in the news for more now because of its own, uh, because of the struggles and because of his tweets uh, concerning taking it, uh, uh, what is going to take it public, right? Um, right? Well, it's private. Yeah, he, but, it is public like, now, but he's thinking about buying it up. Yeah, or, yeah. That, that's one of the controversies we're going to get into in a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, so he was going to take it, he was going to take it private. At, uh, at at some uh, rather inflated price compared to, I guess it's uh, actual price of four twenty, <laughs> which is an interesting number to to take it private at. Um, g- given given the colloquial use of that uh, that number, um, so uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, I I am not as up on Tesla, even though I've got friends who are. So, um, you know, maybe you guys can fill in some of the blanks with regard to what's going on with Tesla uh, besides his his uh, tweet concerning taking them private. Because um, I know that they've had production problems mm-hmm. that have uh, caused uh, much consternation. Um, but uh, but yeah, anyway, that's a broad sweep yeah. of where he's been. What do y'all know? Yeah, Micah. Yeah. So uh, for me, Elon Musk is kind of um, uh, a significant character for one primary reason, and that is when people say, what is transhumanism? He's the easiest example to point to. (laughs) Um, And so I was uh, kind of leading up to this conference um, at Lipscomb University. Um, you know, students would would ask what what we're talking about, things like that. And so I would talk about some some characters and I would say, OK, what do you know about Elon Musk? And um, and it would tell me things like, well, he um, he wants to go to Mars. He shot a Tesla into space. Um, he uh, <laughs> he builds flamethrowers for fun. Um, he built a, a company just to dig giant holes in the earth. Um, you know, and, and so he's doing a lot of kind of, uh, you know, flamboyant things, um, which are getting attention on for, um, a lot of kind of, uh, ideas or projects or efforts 
efforts that really kind of lead into transhumanist discussions. And, and um, so one of the things that he is less known for, uh, and I, I, we can, I don't know if, how, uh, how deep we want to go into this, but he is working on a project called Neuralink. And mm-hmm. um, that's a project, um, best I understand, to uh, be able to interface directly with the human brain. Mm-hmm. And the other day on the podcast where he was, uh, where he was um, smoking, um, he, uh, he said, I think we'll have something ready to announce in a few months. So um, that's a, that's a big question. I, I have been, you know, I know of several projects like this. Uh, most of them are not on that kind of a timeline, but he thinks that they, that, his project is about ready to announce something uh, significant in this space. So uh, <clears throat> Elon Musk is doing a lot of these kinds of um, things that transhumanists might want to pursue. Um, and uh, some of them people know about and some of them people don't. But he's getting attention for the kind of most flamboyant versions of them. Um, and that appears to be intentional uh, for some for some kind of calculated purpose, I would guess. Um, so anyway, that so that's that's uh, why he's mm. kind of a significant character in a lot of discussions I'm in. Yeah, it's interesting. I, one of the things that we read uh, was a New Republic, I think, article called by Alex Shepard called Is Elon Musk Losing It? Right. And mm. so it's basically mm. uh, accounting or, you know, uh, n- narrating a lot of his erratic behavior recently. Um, he's right. very aggressive on Twitter. He's he's right. he's very um, defensive. And, you know, the smoking pot on a podcast uh, is kind of the least of uh, some of his lately <laughs> transgressions he's uh tweeting things that the sec is investigating because it it seems to suggest some sort of manipulation of stock prices and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and so there's this talk about maybe he's um overworking himself uh there's lots of discussion about the profitability of his companies uh, mm-hmm. and so there, he has a lot of critics out there and i guess personality wise and this is if I were creating a comic book supervillain, like a you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't come up with a better name than Elon Musk, right? Um, and uh, and and then also the stuff that he's doing, he's he's basically Lex Luthor uh, in, in in many um, in many respects. And so I feel like there's something about him um, that we're drawn to because he represents this vision of uh of the technocrat right uh and, and i think he's sort of like the preeminent vision of that so he is going to dominate a lot of these um conversations and he's he's a great self-promoter and uh mm. and, yeah well I, go ahead so and i, I want to kind of reflect on that supervillain thing because i think it's it's um it gets to a lot of the the questions uh which are um you know as i understand robert, robert downey jr when he was um, preparing to play the Iron Man character, he spent some time with Elon Musk. Oh, how interesting. And he, he based his character off of that, right? And so Iron Man is interesting because we see him as a good guy, but in the world of the the show or the movie, um, people do not necessarily see him as a good guy. Um, and there's it's a very big question, and he's kind of an erratic, you know, uh, genius billionaire or whatever um and people don't know what to make of him 
And he kind of is like, well, here's what I'm doing. Right. And so this is that's kind of a very Elon Musk character where you could easily say, oh, he's my he's my hero or no, he's uh, a villain, you know, and and it's a big question. And um, he he's not making it um, easy to come down on you know, the, uh, a, a very, a clean, uh, uh, view of what he's doing. Mm. Yeah. Philosophically, you're right. I feel like, um, the, the thing he has, he's a big picture guy. I mean, he's thinking of the human race a thousand years from now. Right. Um, and, and he's investing everything he has into that sort of big picture. And so he does seem to have this kind of, um, heroic, uh, quest that he's on. And, and I think that it's interesting that you're talking about, you know, he's thinking about, we want to move to Mars so we could you know, keep the human race from going extinct. Right. I want to mm-hmm. tap into the brain to enhance the power of the human person. Right. And so he does kind of live up to a lot of these kind of transhumanist ideals, I suppose. So he is kind of a, a hero in his, in his philosophy. Um, and I guess like any, I, this is where it's still an open question about him because any villain, probably thinks himself as a hero, right? <laughs> you know, um, right, yeah. it's just mm. sort of, uh, and so I think he, he kind of fits into that and we're still in the middle of his story and we don't know where it ends. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Todd, I feel like you were about it's, to say something. No, no, it's just, it's, it's super hard to get a grasp on him, as you say, because he's got his fingers in so many pots. Right. I mean, this, uh, this brain stuff, I had, I had heard something about this at some point in time, but I, totally forgot about it i mean it, it, it just it's not something that i'm tapped into necessarily but you know he's involved in this hyperloop project right mm. oh that's right um this you know this uh, another another thing where people will look at that and say whoa what a great idea you know what a great idea for transportation just like they did when he went nuts with tesla and 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 then tesla exploded into what was supposed to be you know, this great green company, right? Um, and so he he definitely has a flair for seeking out the uh, grandiose projects that are going to make a name, you know, may, maybe make a name for himself, although I don't know. I, I don't want to tag him necessarily with that, although his persona is one <laughs> that you might associate with wanting to make a name for yourself. Um but man, he's got a lot of things going on, and I don't really know how to—I I don't really know how to react to him completely. Um, there are aspects of his his personality that I see that I don't like, uh, in particular. But there are some things where I think you know I think SpaceX is a fantastic company, mm. and and I really do uh, you know I like the fact that that's uh, at least one thing that he has brought um, into the marketplace. Yeah, there's something undeniably thrilling about watching that rocket ship land, right? Uh, the 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 one that when he made the technological leap to have this reusable rocket and and have, watching that thing land uh, is was incredible and it's utterly thrilling, right? And and he does capture our imaginations, right, about um, what the human race can become. And but I think what he also captures, and this is, I guess, I want to get into. Um, I guess some philosophical transhumanist discussions with Micah. Um, Mm -hmm. What he also captures is sort of maybe our fear of putting that kind of the power that comes with that technology in the hands of individuals who, you know, have particular quirks. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I I guess, I guess Micah, what I want to ask you, there's something 
is do you, is there in transhuman transhumanism Christian transhumanism particularly? And I guess I should I reminded everybody. Not only did I forget to mention Todd Pedler is the co-host of the Book of Nature podcast, which you can find at ChristianHumanist.org. Um, Micah, you also have the Christian Transhumanist podcast, and, and I know yeah. that you've probably talked about this kind of thing um, more than once on your show. Um, but is there a a distinction? How do Christian transhumanists make a distinction between? transhumanism as this aspirational um, guiding light for humanity and techno utopianism. Like, is there, Mm. is that a conversation that goes on? Yeah. um, So transhumanism, and I I think transhumanism is pretty confusing for most people, but it's essentially, it's an, um, it's the desire or the advocacy of the ethical use of technology to transform uh, human life or the human condition. And so the question is, well, what is ethical? Uh, what, what ethic is guiding that? And transhumanists have a lot of different ethics. Um, and that spans everything from philosopher David Pierce, who wants to eradicate the existence of pain and suffering in the entire biosphere, um, to uh, people who are radical egoists who want to kind of ascend to some kind of uh, omnipotent state and dominate the rest of us uh and and are quite happy to tell us that Uh, um and so there's there's like this this incredible span of different ethical systems and and ethical principles so christian transhumanism is the attempt to uh, articulate a christian ethic um one that's based around the discipleship of Christ, which is fundamentally um, built on value, uh, positive relational values like cooperation and trust and compassion and love. Um, and so, uh, and, and to advocate using science, you know, using that to guide science and technology uh, as we build a future. Um, and so one of the dangers or one of the maybe I would call failure modes of, of, naive transhumanism is it can run into uh, a utopianism, um, which is a where we have this idea that there's a static world we can we can transform to and that that'll that'll solve all our problems. Right. Or or that we uh, can totally eliminate struggle and suffering and and things like that. Um, and so those those ideas um I think are dangerous because they they impose you know uh, a too simple version of the future or, or vision of the future, um, rather than kind of the complex open ended future that is is you know it comports with actual reality. Um, so so yeah, that's a that's a thing that happens a lot um, and. And I think in the popular conception, transhumanism is just techno-utopianism, something like that. Um, so I think that's an important thing that we have to keep talking about. There is no utopia. Um, there's just, you know, moving, in, you know, towards a more positive future uh, as best we can. Yeah, and it seems to me that in, in a Christian transhumanist worldview, um, if you will, philosophical, if it's grounded in that at least, it's going to use Christian principles to guide technology, right? Um, right? And we don't necessarily, I don't gather that Elon Musk is, right? Uh, and so he's using right. the the tools and the mechanisms of, 
um, you know, kind of finance capitalism to um, mm-hmm. to fund his vision, his vision, his which is kind of a it's posed as a singular vision for mm-hmm. the future of humanity, right? And so you almost get this kind of um, oh gosh, messianic uh, kind of complex there, sure. um, yeah. and, and I guess that's what is to people like me um, is what is kind of like creepy about um, Elon Musk. I will let me a couple of the. Feed, <laughs> Uh, one of a uh, Jay Eldred friend of the show. Why is he even famous? His business has failed to turn a profit and his demeanor is unappealing. That's, that's, a, that's a very Jay, that's a very Jay phrase right there. Um, um, yeah. And so he does have this kind of um, off putting personality where it doesn't necessarily seem like he has the good of humanity in uh, as it exists now in mind. He has the good of some kind of mythical perfect humanity that he can create mm-hmm. out of his genius imagination in mind. And he's using everything he can running roughshod over things that he can hear on his way to that, that end. Uh, and so go ahead. Well, so yeah, so that's, um, this is one thing that I've, I've talked about with several people. My understanding is that, um, Elon at a young age basically sat down and wrote out a list of, of the problems he, saw in the world and the mm. things that humanity needed to, um, you know, to do to fix that. Right. So he needed to be basically, uh, we needed to be a, a spacefaring species. We needed to be on solar power as our, you know, our entire energy source, you know? And so then, you know, the list goes on and, um, and so this is driven. Yeah. He's basically just been working down that list um, you know, built following this vision and, and it is a singular vision and it is, um, yeah, probably not informed by, um, you know, a set of Christian concepts or something like that. Um, which is another thing that I talk a lot about. I think that it's not healthy for us to have these singular visions that aren't communicating with the kind of world of faith. Um, but, but this is pretty common and Elon is just maybe the more kind of flamboyant example. Um, this is also the case with, uh, Amazon and Jeff Bezos. Oh Lord. Right. Yeah. And, um, Be- Bezos is also running a space company. Um, mm-hmm. he's also doing uh, a number of other kinds of, of projects. Uh, he's much quieter about it. Um, and he also like Amazon does not post a profit. Um, the, now the reason why that Amazon doesn't, uh, declare profit and, you know, Elon's companies aren't, aren't profitable is a bit different, but, but I think there is something there, which is that these are not these, a lot of these efforts are not being driven by what we might think of as kind of like old school business, which is just, you know, how do we get to profitability um, as soon as possible and so forth. They're being driven by uh, philosophical and ethical visions Mm -hmm. and, um, and to a dramatic degree. Right. And, uh, and so that's why, yeah, I think these, these kinds of things are being driven like real world change is being driven by this transhumanist conversation. Um, And, uh, that's one of the reasons I, you know, I think people need to be engaged in it uh, more, you know, more people need to be engaged in it. More people of faith need to be engaged in it. Yeah. Todd, uh, I felt like you wanted to say something in there. No, well, no, it's cause he, uh, you know, Micah brings up, uh, Bezos, which I, which I do find interesting. Um, and I'm glad he brought it up cause I was going to bring it up otherwise. Um, 
you know, the complaints, the, 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 the frustrations that uh, arise in certain circles do end up applying to both of these men, right? Um, uh, you know, the questions about Amazon as a company, questions about Tesla as a company. Um, uh, you know, there, uh, at, at earlier this spring, there was, there was um, admission, right, by, by Musk that he was using too much automation in the Tesla, uh, uh, you know, the, the process of building cars. And, um, you know, there, in this Newsweek article that we, that we also looked at, um, there's a statement in there, I think it's a little bit flamboyant, but there's a statement there that says, um, uh, just as Amazon's rise has been a disaster for many of the 12 million American workers in the retail industry, Tesla's ascendance could decimate U.S. manufacturing. Um, all right, I think that's a little bit overblown, but um, but at the same time, these concerns seem to apply uh, to, to to both of these men, and I don't I don't think we have much of a handle on Jeff Bezos, really. Um, I haven't been in the Northwest since I left after college so i don't you know and and amazon had not been yet a twinkle in the eye um but uh i don't know whether people there look upon him as uh, as we might look more nationally because uh at elon musk because he's more out there mm-hmm um, I do know that Amazon doesn't get a, good, a lot of good press, um, and many times for good reason. But um, yeah, it's very, very interesting um, looking at the two of these in tandem. One one thing I recently heard about Amazon is in Seattle. Um, so so much of the rents of Seattle have been driven up because of Amazon's um, uh, whatever you know influence or influx of um, of you know employment it's like a silicon valley it's like a san francisco silicon valley situation um it seattle is a very difficult city to live in cost wise mm-hmm. and so the city council democratically um instituted a uh I, I, they called it a head tax or something along those yes. lines um in which companies and it was clearly aimed at amazon with so mm-hmm. many employees were going to be taxed a certain amount of money that would be used to subsidize housing for working class people um well including its own employees and including right? its own employees, right? <laughs> no, people, Amazon workers don't necessarily live in Seattle. <laughs> no, no. And those who do, many are on welfare, right? Um, and so it really, the government is kind of subsidizing their lack of uh, paying decent wages anyway. And so, but Jeff Bezos uses the kind of power of his influence to reverse that decision on the city council and uh, and just really kind of subvert a democratically, um, a democratic decision right and and for his own kind of private good uh, and so to me that's the scary part of folks like this and it's interesting that micah brought in iron man as a as a, as a comparison with elon musk and i totally see it you're right and it's one more reason i always i talk about it in the show all the time with nathan gilmore like i hate tony stark like i think he's the worst person <laughs> how many uh, shows have you done because I, i'm thinking through your back catalog there must be five where, where yeah 
he comes up. <laughs> it comes up a lot every time. Any Marvel show that we do, um, we'll yeah. ultimately talk about Iron Man, and it's one of the things I <laughs> I like about the new wave of Marvel movies is they seem to be beating up um, on Iron Man morally. They're like making him suffer for uh, for what he's doing, right, or what he's done. But I mean, but he is the Elon Musk type, and that you want we he wants to be able to just sit in his lab by himself, wave his magic computer hands, and make machine make things with machines without any kind of manual labor from anybody else, right? It's an entirely isolated um, ecosystem of production and creation by the sole solitary genius of Tony Stark, right? And so Elon Musk um, automating these Tesla uh, lines and everything else, he's very much trying to do that, right? And, and, And like basically own the future himself rather than participate in creating a future with other people. And, and so I... Um, I don't know if Micah meant that to be a positive comparison, but for me, Tony Stark is like the worst person in the Marvel universe. Um, I would take so, <laughs> Obadiah yeah, Stane so, over him. So. <laughs> so this actually brings up to me an interesting philosophical kind of point, which, you know, this whole idea of of the isolated lone genius or whatever, you know, doing doing something kind of single handedly creating the future. Um, it's. Um, you know, and I would say that's that's a sort of thing that uh, in the Christian Transhumanist Association we're trying to to work against. Right. But what's what's fascinating is that it seems to work, and um, you know, the the conventional wisdom um, for a long time was that you can't do that. Right. There's you, you can't move the needle of of society uh, single handedly by saying, okay, well, let's just do it a better way, you know? And yet um, Elon Musk has had some success in doing that. Right. And, and his things are kind of on the edge of chaos at all times, but in terms of his engineering prowess, um, he's actually accomplished things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that kind of speaks to this thing of like, um, maybe one of the things that drives technological change is simply the the uh, will and desire to see it happen. And, you know, I, I think this goes back to the American space race. You know, we decided as a society that we wanted to go to the moon. And so we did. And then maybe we didn't do as much after that because we kind of didn't we kind of lost the imagination for that. And so I, I think there's there's something there where it looks to me like if it's the case that kind of these singular individuals can can move the needle um, on, on significant industries, that means that there is a lot of imagination <laughs> the rest of us are lacking, right? Like we, um, we are, are kind of just kind of plodding along um, and what is needed is somebody with with a little bit of vision and it maybe it shouldn't be um, left to, uh, you know, these kind of billionaire uh, mavericks to do that. Maybe we as a society should be more conscious about, um, you know, about what that looks like and how that should be developing. Yeah, that's a great comparison. The space race era is a, a moment of public imagination, right? Uh, there was sort mm-hmm. of a corporate um, uh, unity in imagination there and, and, and ambition. And it seems like we've privatized that completely now and, 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 uh, mm-hmm. and, and left it in the hands of folks who happen to find ways to be wealthy. And, uh, and hopefully they do have that kind of imagination. I do think it's interesting that um, 
that Tesla is the name that that Musk chose for this mm-hmm. car company, right? Because he is that sort of solitary genius, um, like oh, but more of like the mad scientist type, right? This kind of mm-hmm. reclusive, um, but who did have this vision for free energy for all, right? He didn't. Yep. Um, his kind of ambitions were not one of capital, right? His his ambitions right. were one for of humanity, um, and so. It's almost ironic in, to my, to my mind that he's, he's choosing that, that term. I mean, he's obviously inspirational to him if he's choosing that term or that name for the, for his company. But, uh, yeah, but it's also, it doesn't seem to be a good fit. Um, well, this is where I, I think, you know, I, my perception is not that Elon is, is driven by, um, money. Uh, I, I think he could, you know, he could have taken his kind of, winnings from some of these early things early on and just kind of, you know, sat it out. Um, and I think, uh, to his, what he said on the, the podcast recently, um, in talking to Joe Rogan, he said, you know, you wouldn't like to be me. Um, it's too stressful basically. And, and that's that messianic, you know, feeling yeah. of, of like needing to like, I have this thing I have to do, um, you know, and I've got to push it forward no matter what. And even if, you know, my life is, is really cushy and whatever, I can't actually enjoy it because I have to be pushing these projects forward. Um, and so I think that's, you know, where it gets, interesting i don't think it's that he's driven by money i think it's that he's driven by this vision and and i think the question is is that vision healthy and is his relationship to that vision healthy or not yeah todd um go ahead no i was just i i I was just gonna echo some of what michael was saying because i i i i i suggested that perhaps there you know there is something to this uh you know a a a need for him to be out there in the limelight as the one driving these things but it's it's not a money thing um i do think he has something of a complex uh about what influence he is going to have on bringing about the kind of society that he wants to see and hence his stress when things aren't quite going as well as they might. Um, and he's certainly not doing very much to turn a profit, um, uh, uh, as we've already discussed, um, which makes him a very, you know, it just makes him a very, very interesting character because, uh, again, if we go back to the various projects that he's doing, uh, that he's taking on, most of them do have something of a, for the good of society, in quotes, uh, um, feel to them, you know, the hyperloop, uh, thing. And we know the public transport in the U S is a mess. And, uh, and that is an opportunity to make quick, rapid transport, at, at least in, you know, up and down the coastal California, but, but, uh, ultimately nationally, um, uh, space travel uh, uh, on a on a more inexpensive footing is certainly something which he views as being beneficial to society. Um, I presume this uh, Neuralink uh, business is something which he sees again as something which would be positive. So it's hard to tag you know to tar him too much um, with uh, you know anything but a perhaps a sort of delusional uh, uh, vision of what he himself can actually bring about. 
Yeah, there is. Um, I mean, there obviously is, um, as Jay pointed out, like personality quirks. Um, there's, I found an article. Um, Elon Musk has reportedly reached out to other CEOs to ask about employees who might be criticizing Tesla on Twitter. Um, and so you have this kind of like, <laughs> well, I, I wonder where we've seen that personality. Yeah, before. this is my point. You have this kind of paranoid. Um, I mean, it's very Trumpian, isn't it? Um, um, I'll, I'll say the name. Uh, and so and here's another one. SpaceX employees used to monitor Tallulah Riley, his ex-wife's hair color to determine if Elon Musk would be in a good mood. Apparently they thought if her hair color was blonder, he'd be in a better mood. I mean, he's got this um, kind of like <laughs> strange idiosyncratic, like totalitarian personality, right? That, um, and he's very aggressive on Twitter. I mean, he's not Rod Dreher aggressive probably, but, um, but uh, like who, if anybody says anything bad about Rod Dreher, we'll write 20,000 words in response. Uh, but yeah, he, um, uh, but he's definitely got this sort of, um, I don't know if I call it a Napoleon complex but he's definitely um aggressive and and defensive and and in that way um and i guess the question ultimately i want to get to and that this isn't just about elon musk this is about jeff bezos this is about all of silicon valley um who has there there's this i feel like a libertarian ethos running through that um that kind of person they're very socially um liberal uh, they're all about, you know, gay marriage and drug use and, you know what I mean? And legalizing drugs, excuse me, and, and, and that kind of thing. So when they would, they would appear to be Democrats on the, on the, uh, on the surface. Um, but financially, it's very kind of, um, conservative and, um, and Republican even, um, even to the extreme. And so I, 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 that obviously is the opposite of my, <laughs> Of my own, of my own uh, politics, right? And so, uh, I'm not a libertarian at heart, or or in my fingernail even. And so, but the um, but the idea that that's kind of where he's coming from is interesting. And so, I feel like all of these projects. Let me just kind of say it as clearly as I can. All of these these ambitious projects for the future and building this new future by the the willpower of the great genius is kind of built by the machinery of neoliberal capitalism and which I think is going to ultimately. So who is it serving except the the investors? It's it's serving. This is toys for rich people on on some level. Who's going to Mars? He's not going to save the poor uh, when the meteorites coming. It's going to be the rich that's going to go to Mars and and and, and hit the the train out right. Um, Tesla's a car that is good for the environment, but nobody I know is going to be able to afford one. And and so I feel like. Um, the who it's serving question is where we get back to the Christian version of transhumanism. This isn't for the good of humanity. It's for the good of the humans who can afford it. Hmm. Am I being unfair? I, I, I would, he I would hesitate to say you're being unfair. Um, you know, I, if I could, if I could push that a little bit further down the road, that that question, you know, let's let's go to uh, both uh, Bezos and Musk and you know, a number of of people who who would argue that automation of the drudgery of 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 what we call blue collar work uh, is where we want to go. Right, because mm -hmm. we want to. Uh, there, there are some who would say we want to liberate human beings from that work. Um, what's the upshot of that? You know, where is that directed? Um, 
because uh, both of the, you know Amazon, there's an awful lot that's automated uh, within the processing of 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 what goes on within Amazon. And for a while, at least, that's where uh, Tesla went. And for many, uh, you know, I, I honestly think this this move has sort of been with us f- since I was a kid. Um, this idea that we need to um, we, we need to we need to remove from human hands as much of the sort of um, the, 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 the dull and hard manual labor tasks and and, and other sort of uh, um, jobs that are just drudgery. Mm-hmm. We, we want we want people to be able not to have to do that. You know, I'm curious where where that goes. Yeah, what, and who so, that serves? Yeah, like us. So uh, yeah, um, I, um, are are you guys familiar with universal basic income? Yeah, and I know Musk has like suggested this. I was hoping we'd get there. Go ahead. Well, yeah. <laughs> so um, I mean, this is this is one of the um, uh, this is one of the ideas that come you know prominently up in uh, transhumanist discussions because there is this idea of well you know we're we're rapidly automating um and that is uh, i think the you know the a good consensus kind of view would be that well the outcome of that is that you know when we automate a job we want new things um and so then we have new jobs and so then but the problem is that as in an era of rapid automation maybe exponential automation um we our our job creation and our ability to train for new jobs might not keep up, and this is particularly ca- the case with like something like self driving cars, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, self driving cars are being rolled out, um, and you know are on our streets, um, and the majority, um, the 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 largest employer of of people in North America, you know, is something to do with driving. So, um, so we're talking about a job category that could hypothetically disappear overnight. Um, and you know, so there's this huge amount of people that would be unemployed and if they, if they don't have the ability to turn something else. And so people who've looked at that and said, okay, we don't think we're going to be able to get there fast enough. Well, we don't think that the answer is to keep people kind of like locked into doing things that are kind of drudgery or that they don't want to do, um, you know, just so we can keep them busy. The, the real thing is let's make sure they have enough money to survive and live and do the things they want to do. Um, and then they can work on cool and interesting projects that they actually care about. And so that's the idea of universal basic income. What if instead of waiting on, um, you know, what if instead of like putting people in a, a kind of competition with robots, where if the robot is gets better, we lose a job. Why don't we actually put humans and robots working together where if the, the robot gets better, I get a little bit more money every month. You know, what if everybody in that relationship to automation. Um, and so that's the idea of universal basic income. And Elon is, is one of the people who's proposed it, uh, which I think means that he thinks that um, automation is going to outpace our ability to, to change things and, or to, uh, to retrain and that this is going to have to be something we do as a society. Um, and, uh, and he's not the only 
um, person involved in this kind of stuff who thinks this, right? This is a, a fairly popular transhumanist idea. Yeah. And I often, I, I'm kind of, I roll my eyes. Sorry to my liberal friends out there who post well-meaning Facebook posts about, I don't use automated or automatic checkouts or, you know, self checkouts at the supermarket <laughs> because I support jobs. Like I, I'm right. not sure that those are the kind of jobs that we should be supporting, frankly. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. um, I feel like that is kind of, uh, it's naive for one thing in my own personal opinion. Um, but I also feel like it's missing the point of that Mike is trying to make here. Automation is happening and there's no way to kind of stem that tide. And, and so, um, the next question is how do we account for it? Now, UBI is, um, a big, um, topic maybe four or five months ago it was a little bigger of a topic that was floating around yeah. but um but people are still talking about it. actually there's a few articles on jacobin that um has some criticisms of it um based on where it's coming from jacobin's going to be naturally suspicious i think of folks like elon musk proposing this um and so mm. i'll put some links to that in the show notes if you go to sectarianreviewpodcast.com um I'll, I'll give you a smorgasbord of links to to read up on this on your own but one of the opposing uh, proposals, I guess, for UBI is this guaranteed works uh, program, kind of like a, a new New Deal uh, people mm -hmm. are talking about, mm -hmm. where you just, there's some government office you walk into and we'll give you a job you know, whatever, making potholes so someone else can fill them in behind you, right? And so, um, and, and I'm like, um, I, I don't know what the jobs would be, but like to me, that's no better. That's not a good solution either to put people to meaningless work that is going to um, define their right. life. So I don't really know where I stand on that debate. I guess I would choose UBI over the works program, um, just on based on what I would like to do with my life, I guess. But, um, but the, uh, um, yeah, that, that's a really good, um, I'm glad you brought that in here because it's it's really important to th when you think about Elon Musk, he is actually thinking about the results, um, the social results of this t technological advancement that he's taking part in. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. It's, it's interesting. Um, just this week in in Paideia, uh, the text we're teaching is a Chinese sci-fi short story um, by a woman named Hao Jingfang called Folding Beijing, which you both should read. Mm -hmm. hmm. It's a very, very interesting uh, story where this whole issue comes up. There's a character in that story. Uh, well, the, 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 the protagonist is a waste uh, processor. Um, and there's a, a, a conversation that occurs in the midst of the story where uh, the question is concerns automation of that task and the 20 million people you're going to put out of work. And what are you going to do about that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, very interesting, uh, lot. I, I've, I've read it now. We've taught it a, a couple of times now. Um, it's, it's, op it's opened up the doors to a lot of really, really interesting conversations. Um, and yeah, that, that together, I, another one I would plug, another thing I would plug would be, um, uh, the play by, uh, uh, by Carol Chapek, um, RUR, Rossum's Universal Robots. I don't know mm -hmm. if you know of this. Yeah. It's it's the it, it is the um, the origin um, of of the term robot. Um, oh, okay, and uh, just a fant a, a fantastically imaginative play from 1921 that we have also taught in Paideia, um, where this question of human work and the worth of it, and and whether it isn't better that we free humanity from from essentially manual labor tasks. 
and mm-hmm. it explores uh, it explores it uh, from an interesting perspective. Hmm. I, I would want to bring up something here. It's a little bit off uh, off on a tangent, but um, I think it's relevant to the the comment about Elon being kind of a, of a libertarian bent. Um, the, he uh, he talked um, about he's actually like campaigned um, to slow down certain kinds of automation. Oh, interesting. Um, and um, because he's afraid of AI, and so this is. Um, this is kind of a famous thing where he has uh, been trying to like cry, you know, like kind of warn people. And um, and he's he said, you know, like I campaigned for years trying to tell people that this is dangerous. We need to slow down. We need to figure this out because um, once once it hits, it's over like we're it's out of our control. And so he talked to Obama, he talked to Congress, he talked to, you know, all these people. He's kind of, I think he put together a, uh, maybe a nonprofit group, something like that, that actually is trying, was trying to do some, you know, advisory capacity on these things. But basically his takeaway is like, nobody, nobody listened, you know, nobody is concerned enough about this. And so it's just going to happen. We can't stop it. I tried my best to do, to, to stop it. And, and, and I'm not going to succeed and it's not going to happen. You know, we're just, we're just plunging headlong into this and it's not necessarily disaster, but it's out of our control. That's his perception. Um, and so, yeah, so it is interesting. I mean, there, you know, uh, there is a concern about these kinds of the, the impact of this. And uh, I find it fascinating that he believes that humanity has now basically gotten um, beyond the, the point where we can reasonably stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we, uh, you know, I guess because we don't take it seriously enough. Um, that's really interesting. Um, and, and actually, I mean, so I know that, um, Stephen Hawking was also very, yeah, uh, fearful of AI. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so it is something that it's paradoxical, I guess, when you think about Elon Musk, who's somebody who's pushing the development of technologies in some ways, and yet also kind of aware of their impact, uh, their potential impact. So, um, I, I guess he definitely deserves credit for, for that kind of, I, there's an ethical imagination there, um, at, mm-hmm. at work. And I think, um, I would be remiss to not mention that for sure. Um, and as you were talking about him going around to Obama and stuff, um, this reminds me, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Kingsman. Um, I did not see the mm-hmm. sequel, but I, I did see the first one, um, <laughs> which has like a, a spectacularly misogynist ending. Like, I mean, it's just like, um, <laughs> but um, the movie itself is kind of interesting. I just want to prepare you for the flabbergasting um, misogynist ending of that movie. But, um, yeah. but the, uh, uh, the idea that uh, um, you have someone, it's Samuel L. Jackson in this case, who basically is an Elon Musk type um, co- contriving uh, a plan with all the, the great people of the world, the leaders from all over the country, the rich uh, to um, basically he's convinced them the only way basically to save the world is to get rid of the rabble and, uh, and, and start anew. <laughs> and so he has this sort of plan in place there. And so that, that character actually reminds me of like an extreme negative version of someone like Elon <laughs> Musk. And I hope I'm not like, Putting him in that camp, I don't paint. I don't mean to paint him in that picture uh, uh, any more than I uh, mean to 
be congratulating him on things that he does not deserve to be congratulated on. He is a much more complex person than that. Um, Drew Vantland, who's another friend of the show on when I called for uh, comments, he posted a tweet. Um, it looks like a tweet from someone named Trish um, says um, Elon Musk hitting a blunt on a podcast while Tesla drug tests its workers highlights the fact that marijuana use is normalized for the affluent and not an option for everyday workers in their careers. Don't let these people fool you into believing you can do this too. Um, and so, mm-hmm. I mean, um, there is like a, a class distinction that you have to talk about uh, when you talk about folks like Elon Musk, if not him himself, right? And that's exactly right. He's drug testing his workers and being photographed and filmed smoking <laughs> smoking a giant <laughs> blunt on uh, on Joe Rogan's show, right? And so, um, and and that kind of just I don't know, just reminds me of the the the, uh, the Kingsman um, topic there. Um, I do want to kind of uh, push this uh, to a, an ending. So uh, Todd has already given us some some great suggestions. I'll put these in the um, uh, show notes uh, if you can think of one, Michael. One that I may want to have you guys back on sometime down the road if you're interested um, is the movie Metropolis, the great uh, silent mm, film, yeah, um, yeah. because I think it really kind of gets at some of what we're talking about in a more imaginative way. If you guys would um, like to come back at some point in the, down the road to talk about that movie, you have the idea, the question being asked about the mechanization of human beings in that case. Right. Uh, and, and so, um, and I think that there's a, uh, you know, you have this kind of genius head of the city who's sort of mm-hmm. in charge of everything. And, and has got a very interesting religious um, overtone to, um, to that movie as well. And so um, I would love to have that conversation with you guys. And for those listening, if you've not seen Metropolis, it's, um, I used to be on Netflix, uh, the restored version of it used to be on Netflix mm-hmm. up until very recently. Um, but it's, a uh, uh, definitely a movie you should watch. It's a long movie and it's a slog in some, some ways, but, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's definitely, um, it's an important movie to think about these issues with. So that's sort of my recommendation. Um, Todd, do yeah. you have others? Well, I, I, so first let me accept the invitation because I'd love to talk about that film. Great. Um, and I hope Michael would too, because I think we yeah. could, you know, it'd be a fun, it'd be a great deal of fun. Yeah. Um, a, another sort of future uh, thing to look out for. So if you do happen to go uh, read Hao Jing Fang, I mean, uh, this this folding Beijing is a great story. She's got some other um, uh, other others that I I know of as well, but she also has an entire volume of short stories on AI. Um, that is not yet translated into English, but it should be forthcoming in the next couple of years. Uh, the title, I think it's a kind of a wooden translation, but the title is AI, The Mirror of Man. Um, and so she is actually spending a, a, a lot of time thinking about the impact of AI. And as someone in China where, you know, we could do another show on AI, by the way, I think it would be uh, quite interesting to, to consider. Mm. Um, uh, but, you know, she's in a, in a country where um, facial recognition and so forth, uh, you know, things th- are, are being developed rapidly and being used Um and and you know she's trying to wrestle with this ethically. Um, she's actually got a physics degree uh, and an, eco- an economics PhD, um, and and works for an educational think tank in in China uh, while writing on the side. So her writing really explores a lot of very interesting territory. So I, I guess maybe my blanket rep- recommendation is anything you can find by her. Okay, check it out because she you know. 
I mean, it, we're reading it in translation, but uh, um, but 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 it, it really is 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 thought provoking, and I I can't wait for that volume to come out. Actually, awesome. Thanks, Micah. Yeah. Um, so I I don't I, I'm trying to think of any kind of uh, recommendations for. Um, getting a better understanding of some of this stuff, it, but it's hard because there's there's just a lot to cover. Um, but I would love to talk about uh, that movie and 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 um, the in terms of nonfiction, one thing that um, has come out recently is um, a book called Life 3.0 by Max Tegmark, and he's a physicist um, who's kind of done a lot of of thinking about the the nature of the universe and he turned his attention to AI and so he's kind of operating off this basis of of AI as this life 3.0 and he kind of gives a real um, uh, you know analytical way and he but he's he's dealing with the fact that um, there is a lot of danger here and um, and also a lot of possibility and I don't want to understate mm-hmm. that um, but that um, we don't really have a good handle on it. And so the book actually comes out of him kind of bringing together a group of AI researchers and kind of coming to some consensus understandings. Um, and and uh, so I think it's a really, it, it's actually a really easy read and it's, um, it's a, uh, a great kind of overview of where people, you know, where that kind of the consensus understanding of AI is and uh, a real great framework for thinking about it. Uh, and may, maybe another one would be uh, Homo Deus by um, uh, Harari. Um, and that kind of really looks at some of the things that are driving change. And he kind of looks at two different possibilities for our future. Uh, one he calls technological humanism and the other is digitalism. And, um, and it really puts in stark uh, contrast some of the possibilities. I think he's a little too pessimistic. I think there are some other options that are available, but that's a great way to just from a, as a sociologist to look at what's happening. Oh, that's awesome. I have been jotting these down. I'll try to get them all uh, linked up in the show notes. Uh, so please do uh, continue the conversation. Uh, those of you listening at home, I would be remiss. I kind of would not forgive myself if I didn't mention this. Um, so, you know, me and my stance on football and uh, and how it's, it's bad enough that we still play football. It's bad enough that people um, take uh, that take it that seriously. But what's worse is that it's largely subsidized. Uh, in terms of its stadium building through, you know, public money, right? Mm. Elon Musk is also the beneficiary of this. So I just want to kind of poke a little bit of hole in the whole sort of self-made man um, aspect of him. There, recently, a couple of years ago, there was an uh, article in the LA Times by Jerry Hirsch who basically went and calculated all of the um, public money that Elon Musk had received um, from various sources over the years. Um, and he, he calculated it at $4.9 billion in, uh, hmm. in government study um, subsidies, not just federal, state, local. Um, he, he sort of went through and, and uh, I'll put a link to that as well. So um, that I would uh, not forgive myself if I didn't just mention that, but uh, um, thank you guys for uh, again, joining the show. Um, this was a great conversation. I, I'm very excited that you uh, seem to want to come back and talk about Metropolis. <laughs> 
I, I taught that movie last semester and it was a lot of fun and I'd like, I still have some things I want to say about it. And so it'd be great to say them with you. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll make that happen at some point here in the near future. So, um, and for those of you who are listening, um, uh, still thank you uh, for doing so go to iTunes and give us a nice review there. Um, subscribe to the show. Um, tell your friends to subscribe to the show and, uh, um, by all means go to Facebook, uh, and like the page there, give us some feedback. Um, and you can find all of our back catalog and, and whatnot at, uh, www.sectarianreviewpodcast.com. Um, for Micah Redding and, uh, Todd Pedler. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, my name is uh, Danny Anderson and, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast. Thank you.